Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. And uh, a little bit later on, we'll look at superannuation contributions. We'll also have our market update with Henry Jennings. And we'll look at currencies and commodities, Stephen Pritchard. But before we do that, um, there's been concerns expressed by the Reserve Bank of Australia about negative gearing and maybe it might have a negative impact on our economy. Do you think that's likely? Uh, well, well, I think the problem that the Reserve Bank's got is that um, really that on the all normal economic indicators they should be lowering interest rates, but the problem is um, interest rates, the low interest rates are allowing people to, to buy investment properties when, and in some cases they're going to be gearing them. So I, I think the Reserve Bank's between this hard position to lower interest rates, but it can't because of the, the, the gigantic boom that's occurring in property prices. And one day that's all going to come to an end. Yes. And um, I think you're going to find that property prices are just going to fall dramatically. I, I know, I know for, you know, rents in Newcastle have actually started to fall um, because there's that many new properties coming on the market for rent and, and there's not that uh, amount of tenants. So I think um, there's also a story we're going to talk about, Henry, about um, APRA's talking about the banks being required to raise additional capital for, um, because of their concentration in housing lending. So, um, okay, it's, so it's, it's, no, it's, no, it's no surprise, mm, really. Okay. I mean, we've been talking about it for a while, but... Haven't they got lots of gold bullion in their in their vaults so that you can work out now? This is your no, segue I think into when, um, commodities. I think when um, – um, um, who was the treasurer with Howard? Um, Costello yes. sold all strains gold bullion reserves. Oh, so no safe. gold. Oh, yeah. so Very it's little gold held by the Reserve Bank now. So from the bank's point of view, knowing the price of gold isn't of importance. Uh, no, not How's it going anyway? Price of gold. Um, the price of gold was sixteen hundred and forty-six dollars an ounce last night, which is up one percent for the week. And the copper price was seven thousand six hundred and four, which is down one percent for the week. And the crude oil price, the Brent crude oil price, was up four percent for the week to um, seventy-one dollars and fifty-one cents a barrel. Um, the currencies, well, there's lots of reading around the currencies, so that's no good if you're heading off overseas. Um, the, Australia, the US dollar, we, we, we only buy 75.69 cents for every one of our dollars now. Um, the Great British pound, we get 60 pence, and for the euro, we get 70 euro cents. So we're all down on last week. Um, the equity markets were also all down. Um, the Australian All Ordinaries was down about half percent on the week this morning to 5,902. Um, the S&P 500 was down half a percent to 2,352. And the uh, UK Nikkei was down half a percent to 7,331. So all the equity markets around the world were a bit, a bit down on the week. Um, that in, often happens through yeah, the middle of the week, doesn't yeah, it? It's, mm. They all seem to basically fall in alignment. Mm. Uh, mm. Um, and the some local stocks that people are interested in... Um, BHP, that was up um, 2.16 cents, 2.16% for the week, $24.59. Um, uh, CBA, uh, which quite a few people have some CBA, and quite a few people have made a fair bit of money out of CBA, was down 1.3% to the week to $85.31. Um, NIB, which a lot of people have made money out of NIB, is $5.84, which was down a half a percent for the week. And Telstra um, is $4.59. 
um, and the fuel prices. Um, Newcastle was a dollar twelve compared to a dollar fourteen last week, um, but we do have the Easter holidays coming up, and so our crystal ball says cynical. that um, we would be looking for a price increase there. And in Sydney, it's a dollar eight point four compared to one. $1.11 last week. And the diesel price is $1.15 compared to $1.15 last week and $1.21 in Sydney. Okay, so fuel price, oil price, yeah. Oil price has gone up, but gone the, up. Okay. the fuel prices haven't, but we have got Easter coming up mm. next week. Henry, are you down in Melbourne today? I am down in Melbourne today, Stephen. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. You're down there giving Spotless some advice, are we? <laughs> I'm not giving spotless some advice. I'm down here to enjoy the sunshine. Oh, okay, 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 good. Um, mm. So uh, Fortescue Metals seems to be forecasting that they're going to be a wash with cash soon. Yeah, they've uh, they've got a new CFO, um, and she is, um, well, we know they're going to be a wash with cash. They've been paying back debt uh, um, very, very well in the last couple of years, and they've got their net debt position down to around sort of three and a half billion. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the iron ore price continues to be $81 or whatever it is, um, they're going to be making so much money as they continue to do so, um, but eventually they'll pay back all that money, and then they'll just be generating more and more cash, which they don't know what to do with. So hopefully, I guess, that will come down, uh, come back to shareholders in the form of dividends. But uh, but certainly, um, the new CFO, Elizabeth Gaines, um, she was the, uh, the CEO, I believe, of Hello World, Right. For some time, but but um, yeah, she's um, she's certainly highlighting that uh, that debt burden coming down considerably again. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent for a company that's had a near death experience. Well, it, is. it has it has sort of risen Lazarus like. I mean, it yeah. wasn't that long ago they were a dollar forty and everyone was writing them off and huge debt and all that sort of stuff. But um, you know, they paid back a lot of that debt on on you know, cents on the dollar as well, which mm. they, they they did that very well. Um, and the share price is, you know, six dollars fifty or whatever it is now. So it's done pretty good. And uh, ANZ ANZ is talking about selling their wealth management division now. Yeah, I mean they've they've been looking at ways of sort of liberating this. Um, Shane Elliott's been doing a pretty good job shaking up the uh, the ANZ business model. And uh, you know, it's a four four and a half billion dollar business. They have been looking to try and sell it to uh, some industry partners. And he even has suggested that maybe they would um, uh, do an IPO of it or just sort of float it off. So um, he's got a few options there, and it will remain to be seen which one he takes. But uh, I guess they don't sell it at the right price. Yeah. Um, and you know, all these banks some years ago decided they were going to go into the wealth management yep. business because you know they got all these customers and they can cross sell and everything. And it's always been a very elusive kind of uh, business. People seem to want to keep their banking separate to their you know, their, their wealth management business, to their financial planning business, and it's always kind of remained a bit elusive to uh, to the big banks. So um, it should be a, a good move, I guess, if they can liberate this amount of money. It will mm. always help. They might be able to pay some dividends back. Well, then they, they, were the, they were the only bank that has cut their dividends. Certainly, you know, we've seen this week um, there's been a big conference from the uh, Financial Review, um, Banking and Wealth Summit, it's called, a very grand title. Um, and we've had the uh, the head of APRA, Wayne Burns, coming out and talking about um, the banks needing to raise capital again. Um, so this, this was sort of a theme some time ago, and the banks were under a bit of pressure, and it's now back. And guess what? The banks are under a bit of pressure. Yes, yes. And um, 
speaking of pressure, Metcash seems to have uh, dropped some market share um, um, because of the resurgence of Woolworths, and uh, they're now talking about working with retailers and suppliers on a, a price-matching mark too, I think they're calling it. So they what, are. What do you make of that? Well, it looks like Shane Jacobson's going to get another gig, um, so that's, that's good for him. Um, he'll be out there um, promoting Price Match 2. He obviously did Price Match 1 for their adverts uh, on TV. So um, he's, he's going to be quite happy if no one else is going to be happy. But obviously, there's a lot of competition in the supermarket world now. We've got Aldi um, getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and their stores are getting more and more kind of um, glamorous. I think I'm not sure that's the right word, but they're certainly a lot more upmarket than they were when they first started out. And, of course, Woolies are making a big effort to uh, to get back into the game. So it looks like um, Metcash, uh, which is the IGA guys, um, are going to um, be reducing their uh, prices of grocery lines by around 3% to try and match Coles and Woolies. So we're going to, cons- well, I guess we're going to see a continuation of these uh, these squeezes in margins for the big supermarkets. And, of course, consumers do okay, but sometimes it's the farmers and suppliers uh, that don't do so well, and they call it, you know, mm. um, taking, you know, doing rationalisation of the supply chain and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, I think it's squeezing farmers and suppliers on margins and on terms of, uh, you know, on terms of credit, etc. Yep. Which, so that, that's the euphemism. Okay, we might just take a quick break and come back and talk about sure. Cromwell. The Cromwell Property Group's raised a, uh, raising its offer to take over Investor to almost three billion dollars. A lot of money, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, where are they getting all that from? <laughs> well, that's one of the sticking points, it seems, by uh, by the guys and investors, where they are getting the money from. But they have raised their uh, their bid price to four dollars eighty five. Yeah. Currently, the shares are trading a little below that at four seventy six. But yeah, three billion dollars. They were initially uh, uh, proposed a two point seven billion dollar takeover uh, and to privatise the. Um, the business back in November, but now they've upped it to uh, to three. So there's still some sticking points, and uh, an investor have not. Uh, this is the investor office fund have not uh, said that they will take the money and run. But um, it's um, we shall see. I guess it's uh, pretty tempting. Mm. And and we mentioned Spotless earlier, and, and some of the major or the major shareholders thinking they might not accept the offer. Yeah, I mean this this is a really interesting deal. That the guys at EDI Downer um, have bid for uh, for Spotless Group, which is kind of they're the guys that used to run at the Sydney Football Stadium, you know, do the meat pies and, yeah. and tidy it up and all that sort of stuff. So they do contract maintenance and contract catering and stuff like that. Um, and they have been bid for by Downer, and it's, the market is saying basically it's a terrible deal, um, and they really hate it. And, and Downer raised a lot of money to do it. Um, but there is a big shareholder that has appeared in the spotless um, camp, which um, could well um, kind of spoil the party. I think they've got just over 10% um, of the company, and um, yeah, they, they don't seem to be too impressed with the offer at the moment. But having said that, um, you know, with where spotless were compared to where they are now, I would be grasping the, the mm. money with, with, with both hands. But, uh, but there you go. Well, we shall see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. And and down at uh, Luca, the Mineral Sands Company, um, they've also got this BHP royalty buried in there, and, and there's talk now that it's going to double in value. Yeah, this this I guess this is kind of a, you don't really think of a Luca uh, in terms of BHP 
um, and their profit and their iron ore, but they basically sort of get a revenue out of the back of BHP's iron ore business. So yeah, there is some talk that maybe it will um, double, um, and BHP's looking at. Um, I think they're looking at expanding the flank side of their Pilbara thing, which will give the uh, Luca boys this doubling um, in uh, in royalty payments, which can only be good news, I guess, for Luca. But they haven't really. Uh, you know, they've, they've had a pretty good bounce from 660 to 760, but I'm not sure that's the reason why um, they're going to uh, continue to bounce. But it's certainly certainly good news. And another kind of takeover that's kind of come out of nowhere was Centennial, which is a, a Brisbane property um, investment group's flag to take over for uh, um, Etsia. Estia, yeah, Estia. this is an odd one. This, this was this was in the papers this morning. This is kind of an odd one. Estia uh, runs a bunch of aged care centres, and to be honest, they have not been particularly special in terms of their performance, and it has been pretty suboptimal. You know, they've fallen from around five and a half bucks to around three dollars twenty, um, and have been around two dollars forty. So they picked up a little bit, um, and the theory is this: Brisbane, or this Queensland property group, is going to buy uh, the company. And they're going to get in some other people to run the actual aged care side of things, and they will end up with the property as a portfolio, much like I guess um, a REIT or a, you know, what we used to call property trust. Um, so this, this has kind of galvanised the share price, and obviously there has been some movement at the station. I guess um, rumours are they've got over five percent um, of SCR or close to five percent, although there has been no official announcement yet. But it's certainly sets the cat amongst the pigeons, and it's helped um, stocks like Japara, which is another aged care uh, provider. They're up a little bit today as well. Um, so this, this is kind of a sector that's been under the, the hammer a little bit recently because of uh, cost pressures and changes to the way the government pays um, for uh, for residents in the aged care centres. So, yeah, interesting, but it's certainly, I guess, with a lot of companies, there is a sort of this hidden asset, which is the property, uh, the property side of things, regardless of how the company itself is doing. Um, I guess it's a bit like David Jones when the South Africans bought that, and it's a bit like Meyer as well. They've got a, a big um, lease and rental portfolio and property portfolio, so there are some attractions there for uh, for these REITs to buy them. Mm-hmm. And um, speaking of attractions, Yang Cole's parents looks like it's going to have to uh, tip in a, a billion dollars to uh, <laughs> help fund the REA deal. Yeah, well... It's probably not, not, you know, basically it's Chinese-backed, so it's a, it's a Chinese government sort of thing, yeah, and coal. To some extent, there aren't very many um, real shareholders in the business and in the shares, you know, and it doesn't yeah. trade very often. It's very much a Chinese-controlled company. Um, but they are buying uh, Rio's coal and allied assets for over $2 billion from memory uh, in U.S. terms. So they need to raise some money, obviously. Um, they're going to ask shareholders for some money, and, of course, one of the biggest shareholders is this Chinese government side of things, so um, they will tip in the money. Um, and given that we've had a uh, big spike in uh, in coal prices recently on the back of uh, Cyclone Deb in Queensland, I guess you could say that it may be quite an attractive thing for um, for them to have bought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, uh, yeah, Woodside, which, Woodside, which is a northwest shelf gas producer, uh, telling their LNG buyers that they need to start entering into long-term contracts, otherwise they're going to miss out. Yeah, well, I guess this all plays into the whole energy crisis thing in terms of we know that um, there is sort of a gas shortage on the East Coast because a lot of these new LNG providers have got long-term and medium-term contracts with Japanese and other Asian buyers 
for the gas, so it does put some pressure on them. And I guess Woodside's a little bit in the box seat and can kind of play its hand that way and demand, you know, people do pay uh, do pay for those long term assets and long term contracts and kind of be good for the business in terms of uh, stability and, and certainty. But uh, you know, Woodside does have the shell. Um, shareholding overhanging its head still because Shell have uh, sort of said they want to get out of some of their assets and Woodside is, is one of their assets that they would probably like to get out of. So at some stage that will happen, I suspect. Okay. And so yeah. we'll be back next week, Henry? We will be back next week, Stephen. Have a lovely week and enjoy enjoy the sunshine in Sydney. And if anyone Sorry, wants Henry. to hear from you in the meantime, what do they need to do? If they are interested in uh, what we put out in the newsletter every day, it's... Um, marcustoday.com.au and you can sign up for a free trial and you can hear all our words of wisdom and our uh, stock recommendations every day. Okay, thanks Henry. Thanks Stephen, cheers. And we're taking a look at superannuation contributions now. We have a special guest, it's Ian Morand. He's from Nationwide Superannuation Fund. So over to you Stephen. Um, Ian, just before we get into the contributions, we were talking earlier about um, how much money is in unclaimed super and how you can go about in claiming it. So, so how much money is sitting in the tax office that's unclaimed super? Yeah. Uh, thanks Stephen. Um, at the 30th of June 2016, the tax office had $14 billion sitting in 5.7 million lost accounts. Now, to me that's a, a fairly worrying figure from one point of view is that there's $14 billion that Australians aren't going to have for their retirement. Seems amazing. Seems amazing. And, of course, a lot of these people have just forgotten about this money. So, so I understand that um, Nationwide Superfund can help people um, find that money? or, or? Uh, y- Yes, we can. Uh, for anyone who is a member of the fund or who wants to join the fund, uh, we provide a free service in tracking down any lost super uh, for members. And so how do they go about doing and that? They can contact the fund uh, on our 1800 number. That's 1800 025 241. And okay, so thanks for that. So, so just be just, just some, some of our listeners. What, what basically? And I know we've got some younger listeners here too. Um, so, what basically is superannuation? So, we just have a quick talk about what that actually is. Yeah. Uh, superannuation is going to uh, build up income for you to use in retirement, because while we're working, we're earning a salary or a wage that's coming in that helps pay our bills. But when we retire. Uh, we don't have that employment uh, income coming in. And so superannuation provides that income for us after we finish work because, unfortunately, the bills don't stop coming in when we finish work. The bills never stop. So basically superannuation is a way of accumulating money in a tax-advantaged way to pay you an income stream when you retire. Yes. Okay. So so how do we get this money in there? And, and, And this is why contributions are so important to super funds? Yes. The contributions are the biggest single factor of what determines how much money we have at the at our point of retirement. So paying attention to contributions, the different types that we can make, are very important for the eventual outcome that we have when we retire. And just as an example, the uh, ASFA, which is one of the superannuation industry groups, do a survey uh, each year, and they estimate that for a comfortable retirement, a couple 
should have $60,000 of annual income. But if we look at the maximum level of the age pension for a couple, it's about 34800 So there's a $25,000 difference in income there between what you could say is a comfortable income compared to relying solely on the age pension. So that gap can be filled in by our superannuation. Right. So that's a fair amount of money. So, um, so where where these contributions that are going in the superannuation fund that you're talking about, where where do they actually come from? It's uh, a good question, Stephen. It's good to understand those different sources so that we can make use of them and maximise our entitlements. For most people, the contribution that they would see most of the time is the in, in contribution made by their employer. We just called the super guarantee contribution. So basically, for every employee uh, that an employer has, if the employee meets certain criteria, then the employee employer pays money into a superannuation fund on behalf of that employee. So, so that's currently 9.25% of the... 9.5%. 9.5%, yes, sorry. 9.5%, yes. Yeah, so they, the employer puts yep. in this 9.5% into your superannuation account, and then we might talk in a moment about um, where else you can get money from from your super and who else can make contributions. Here's a really good question, Stephen. Ian Morantz is going to um, enlighten us on... Uh, just how, um, or other places we can get our super Yeah, so, so besides employer contributions, which the employer is putting on behalf of the employees, who, who else can individuals make their own contributions? Uh, yes, Stephen. Uh, an individual can uh, put money into their superannuation through two different methods. Uh, one is called salary sacrifice, where effectively you're swapping take-home pay that's been taxed uh, for additional employer contributions. So it decreases the amount of take-home pay that you have, but there's a tax saving there, and that can be used to contribute more money to your super. So it's a very tax-effective way of putting money into your super. It can be arranged through payroll, so it's not a something that needs a lot of work from the part of the individual. So, so the tax savings basically, um, if you're on the top marginal tax rate, say it was 48 and a half, yep. um, instead of paying that tax, you decrease your salary and make a contribution to the superannuation fund, and the fund only pays 15%. 15%. Yes, correct. So, yeah, so there's a tax savings of about 30% yes. on each $100. Yes. So that's not bad. Very it effective. Very that's a very effective efficient way of putting money in. And what was the other uh, way we were talking about? And the second way is putting in contributions on an after-tax basis. So that might be money that you have uh, spare. It also can be done as a regular deduction through payroll, um, but it can be a more irregular event than the salary sacrifice. Right. So if you have a windfall and you might like to put some of it away for the future, you can contribute that to your super. And because it effectively had tax paid on it already, it goes in tax-free. Okay, so is there a limit on how much you can you can put in here for your um, contributions? Uh, yes, there are caps that apply, and uh, people should uh, take the time to find out those caps and look at them. Some of those caps are changing from the 1st of July 2017, so it's an area where people need to keep up to date with the, their caps because going over the cap can have tax consequences, which aren't nice. 
Yes, and so so if we're, we're coming up into uh, the thirtieth of June in uh, look, you know, it'll be here in a flash. Yeah, mm-hmm. eight, ten weeks or something. Yeah. So if you want to put some money into your superannuation fund um, and, and get some tax um, tax benefits, it actually needs to be in prior to the thirtieth of Correct. June. Yes, right. So are you open on the thirtieth of June, aren't they? We we are. <laughs> I better check and make sure it's not a sad day. Right. So yeah, so yeah, if you, that's right. I mean, a bit of a joke there, but the, the, really, the super fund to get the tax deduction in the current year has to be contributed and in the credit of your account in the superannuation prior to the thirtieth of June, first of July, too, too late. late. Right. Right. So if you if you're going to run round, um, run round in the last week, not mm. the last day. Um, and then um, th- there's various other people who can make um, some contributions too, for, which which isn't so common, but there are, this does exist. So um, you can make some contributions for your spouse, can't yes. you? Yes, it's possible for uh, one spouse to make a contribution uh, on behalf of the uh, their partner. And there's two ways of doing that. One is called a spouse contribution, where effectively you're uh, making a contribution to... Uh, the super of your spouse, and that's very good for trying to even out the amount of super that each partner has. There are benefits in every person, every individual having their own super, and it can have a situation where one partner might be earning higher income, they might be in full-time work, the other partner has been in part-time work or even on extended leave, such as maternity leave. So that's a good way of evening out that uh, in balance between the two different uh, amounts of super. Right, and, and there's another way? Uh, yes, and they can also do uh, contribution splitting where uh, typically one person might be the higher income earner, they've got a lot more money in their super. It's possible for them to uh, split up to 85% of their uh, pre-tax contributions into uh, the the... Uh, superannuation account of their partner and that can only be done on an after uh, financial year basis so once the financial year has been completed you then look back and see what the contributions were and then that is the amount that could be split. All right, so then you can just write to the fund or, or no, there's a form you have to fill in. Yes, there's a form. Yeah, there's yeah, a form. Yeah, there's always yeah, a form. Yeah. And the fund will just take it out of your account and put it into the, the spouse's account. Yeah. yeah. So they, they take out the after-tax the net contribution, I assume, or right. Oh, so yeah, so they, yeah. they just move some money across. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, fine. And have we got time for one more oh, thing. Oh, you've I got think? about thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. Yeah. Uh, so there's also contributions that can be made to the uh, by the government. So for uh, low-income earners, they may get some benefit from the government there. But from the individual's point of view, you need to look at uh, take notice of your superannuation. Have a look at the annual statement when it comes out. Don't be frightened to ring your fund to get some advice and uh, work out what you can do to maximise your super because you're the ones going to benefit from it. And if you think you've changed a few jobs, you've probably got lost super that you need to try and track down yeah. and consolidate it all into one account. That's what you need to do. Yeah. Thanks, Jane. <laughs> and it's good to get the gen on superannuation. Thank you very much, Ian Morant, from the Nationwide Superannuation Fund. Thursday Finance will be back next uh, Thursday after the midday news.
And you can catch this program on podcast through our website, 2NURFM.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>